This show is supported by State Farm. You have insurance for your home, your health, and your car. Why don't you have insurance for your small business? So many small business owners think they don't need or don't even know about small business insurance. Protecting a source of revenue is one thing, but so is protecting all of your hard work and your team members. State Farm agents are all small business owners too, so they know how to help small business owners choose personalized policies that fit their budgets. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi folks, be sure to visit my website at dr-history.com for a short personal video message, to listen to the latest stories, and to leave a comment. How are you? I'm doing great, Jeb. Yeah. <laughs> Did the wind blow you in? You know, I've seen tumbleweeds tumble. Oh, yeah. But they're going about 60 miles an hour right they're now. They're weapons. Oh, yeah, they're they're tumbling out there yeah. pretty good. Yep. So I want to say hi to Melody, who's been a listener for a while. Uh-huh. She actually sent me some information about Wyatt Earp and descendants. Well, it was kind of a genealogy thing about Wyatt Earp. So I'm going to look into that and see if we can still come up with some descendants. And maybe call. Yeah. Yeah, let's so do that. That's, now, another one. Uh, I got an email from Steve, and he suggested we do a uh, show about newspapers in the Old West. Uh-huh. So that's what I'm going to do today. Really? Yeah, newspapers. You don't think, you know, you think about the Old West, but you don't really think about newspapers. Yeah, the typesetting and everything. Yeah, all that. Yeah, that's interesting. So, anyway, the American colonies began in the 1600s, and the first newspaper that was regularly published was the Boston Newsletter, and that started in... Uh, 1704. Wow. And those early newspapers were published usually weekly, maybe semi-weekly. But the nation's uh, first daily newspaper was the Pennsylvania Packet and Daily Advertiser, and it began in 1784. But there was a lot of independent newspapers that ran before that on a weekly or monthly basis, and America's first independent newspaper was the New England Current, and it was actually published by Benjamin Franklin's older brother in 1721. Really? What was his name? uh, Older brother Ben. (laughs) Ben's older brother. (laughs) I don't know. You you know, you always ask me those questions. You know I'm not going to (laughs) know. I'm sorry. I'll I'll know next week, maybe. Moving on. Now, most colonial newspapers were simply titled using the colony's name, followed by Gazette, like maybe... Boston Gazette. Where did or, the word Gazette come from, I wonder? You know, I'm going to bet it came from England. Just just a guess. Oh. So that was how they titled their newspapers, followed by the word Gazette. I see. Now, there were penny press newspapers, which were cheap. They were tabloid-style newspapers. They were mass-produced in the United States from the 1830s onwards. Uh, Mass production of inexpensive newspapers uh, became possible following the shift from handcrafted to steam-powered printing. Now, famous for costing one cent, while other newspapers cost around six cents, Penny press papers were revolutionary in making the news accessible to middle-class citizens for a reasonable price. Really? So one, one penny. 
but newspapers were considered a major sign that a western town became civilized. Everyone greeted the arrival of a printing press with great joy. People were hungry for news and sometimes paid high prices to get it. Business needed somewhere to advertise to, so thousands of papers started between 1846 to 1890. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of them were short-lived. They never survived. Hmm. So probably a small percentage actually survived into, uh, you know, into, through the years. Well, but, did they sell advertising in the papers? Right. That's what I said. They, businesses needed somewhere to advertise. So they used these newspapers uh, to, to advertise, and that's where they got some of the revenue, huh. uh, the, the printers. But population was a factor in deciding where to put a paper. Another was how stable the town seemed to be. A large percentage of percentage of women in the town was a sign of stability and many also set up in railroad or mining towns so the people that wanted to set up a newspaper they looked at a place where they thought they would be able to stay you know but there's all there also needed to be businesses to provide advertising revenue some also looked for uh, agendas like promotions of new territory or a county seat some star, uh, started their hand some of these newspaper guys as prospectors some of them just, you know, uh, some of them were, uh, did, did other things. And so then, they, because they weren't successful uh, mining, they turned to uh, their other vocation, which was publishing newspapers. I got a question for you. Okay. When people started the Western movement coming west, those printing presses were kind of big and bulky and hard to handle and transport, weren't they? Right. Yeah. They. So it was not an easy thing to get one, say, to a mining town in the Rockies or yeah. uh, Colorado or any place. But uh, uh, there were some men who just financed their, their operation. A famous publisher was a guy named Lee Freeman. And he moved his press along the route of the Transcontinental Railroad as it moved west towards Promontory Point, Utah. Hmm. He published from at least 16 different locations. Now, other people had occupations before they become publishers. Some were farmers, some were teachers, but uh, I think they saw that they could make more money uh, publishing a, uh, a newspaper. Really? So, But to entice subscribers, publishers would print ads appealing to the town's civic duty to support the paper. Their agents went door-to-door to sell subscriptions, especially in areas where people live a long ways away. They hired others to pound the pavement for them. Uh, they gave away free copies. Some offered free gifts or discounts when paying for a year's subscription in advance. Uh, agents were given awards for getting a prescribed number of subscribers. And a lot of papers actually published pr- uh, puzzles to interest readers, like crossword puzzles. Really? Things like that. Huh. But you don't think about the Old West, about somebody going door-to-door to sell a subscription to a no, newspaper. No, not like in Dodge City or someplace. No, no, you don't. But they had... They had both kids and adults that delivered papers. Now, some offices opened up at specific times for customers so they could just come by and pick them up. They also sold papers on the major railroads. Uh, The average cost was $5 a year for a weekly and $12 to $16 for a daily. And just as today, there was difficulty in collecting the subscription fees. Uh. So... William Byers of the Rocky Mountain News in Denver used an unusual manner of collecting his money. He published the names of all those who hadn't paid their uh, dues and the amounts they owed in an attempt to shame them (laughs) into paying. Now, don't you think that would work? 
uh, and many of them did. Yeah, they, they, they did. paid up. Yeah. Now, some papers accepted gold dust for payment uh, where cash was scarce. Some would even accept local produce, uh, though cash was still needed to buy supplies to print the paper. So there was a, a bartering system. Now, you, the you paper itself. Okay, I'm talking the paper. Now, you probably are coming to this. I am. Okay, yes. I'll, I'll I, yeah, quit. I, I'll, you, my mind was racing ahead. I, oh, ahead. Okay. Now, publishers also used salesmen to sell advertising space. Some even hired agencies to do this for them. Some of these firms represented several papers, so it was common to see ads from faraway cities. Patent medicine companies were the first national advertisers and actually sent out prepared metal plates for printing. Really? So they sent out their own <clears throat> their own plates, I guess, so they could just be printed to sell their patent medicines. Uh-huh. So it must have been big business. But most papers carried at least one-third ads. So a third of the paper was advertisements. And ad sales were so successful that many had to expand the size or number of pages to accommodate all the ads. Now, some issued supplements to accommodate the ads. The Deseret News of Salt Lake City used a smaller typeface for the ads. Now, early ads had no pictures, and they looked like business cards. Later, they used white space, or like a blank space, to attract attention. Uh, and they did have various fonts, different styles of, uh, of the letters, uh, to capture attention. Really? And they usually did not list prices, um, I guess because it changed. But, you know, fancy language and style was more due to whatever the typesetter decided he wanted. Now, there's a question I've got to ask. These people that were typesetters, when they, they had to literally do piece by piece, letter by letter, didn't they? And upside down. Oh. Because, you see, when you print, it's a mirror image. I never thought about that. Right. But, and uh, so, uh, wow. Yeah. That guy couldn't go out on a bender, could he? Uh, no. no, no. <laughs> <laughs> but patent medicines spared no adjectives in describing their magic potions. Wow. Some also used rhymes to sell their goods, especially in San Francisco, where there was a large literate populace and lots of people to write poems. To, for these advertisers. I'm still working on Upside Down. <laughs> we, I'll talk a little bit more about that. This show is supported by State Farm. Insurance is a part of any solid financial plan. Making sure you have the important things in life covered is one of the best ways to give yourself a little breathing room when things go awry. It's important to protect not only your business, but yourself as a business owner and all current and future team members. State Farm agents know what it takes to run and protect a small business because State Farm agents are all small business owners and they live and work in your community. So they're deeply attuned to what's happening with other small businesses in your market. If you have a small business and are interested in making sure you're protected, reach out to your local State Farm agent to learn more about what you need. They'll help you find the right policy at the right price for your business. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Some advertisers uh, couldn't pay in cash either, so papers accepted trade items or discounts on the advertiser's goods. Really? The Antioch Ledger accepted a set of encyclopedias from one company to run its ads. The Rocky Mountain News also printed lists of advertisers who failed to pay. Uh-huh. That uh, kind of uh, induced them to pay up their bills. 
Now, some papers also did a lot of business with legal notices. Mining, timber, and homestead claims required publishing legal notices. Cattle ranchers also had to publish their brands. Now, I don't know if you knew that, but uh, if, you no, had a, I didn't. if you had a brand, you had to publish it. So I guess it would be common knowledge what your brand was if you were a rancher. Really? Yeah. Now, some took Okay, in- question. How did they put that on the typeset? <laughs> Zeb? You got me on that one. <laughs> I have because you know it might be the bar T or the yeah. Uh, I mean, did they have to slash. carve a special they might, key? They might have had to, you know, maybe carve it out of wood or something so that it would look exactly like the brand. Because obviously they wouldn't have letters yeah to, to make those. Yeah, uh, that's got got to be the way they did it. But some took in other jobs besides printing the paper. And now, some printed forms and stationery for other businesses. The Deseret News printed material for the Mormon Church. Publishers provided binding services. Some prints, uh, presses printed more than one paper, such as the Washington Standard in Olympia, which actually printed seven different newspapers. Uh, some did work for the federal government, especially printing the territorial laws. Now, the printer had a lot of expenses, and this included the initial cost of the press, like you mentioned, the equipment, the type, the rollers, the material. Uh, They had to have tables and cabinets uh, for all this equipment, plus a building to put this all in. And most bought used presses from the Eastern newspapers or other older Western papers. And a lot of these were missing parts. Sometimes letters had to be carved from wood. Oh, there we go. Okay. And presses uh, that printed Spanish languages, uh, papers, they had no W, so the printer would have to use two Vs set together. Really? So they, they, were, they figured things out. But hand presses were the first used, but they were slow and took a lot of newspaper to operate, or a lot of manpower to operate. Have you seen those, you know, where they turn the thing on top and and it presses down? Yeah, yeah. Uh, But as soon as they made enough profit, they switched to steam-powered presses. Now, although they had large capacity, some some still couldn't afford the steam engine to crank them by hand. Uh, The type and we mentioned this, consisted of thousands of individual letters of different sizes that had to be set by hand. And upside down. And upside down. I didn't know that. Yeah, and it wasn't until 1891 that Helena Montana started using the first mechanized type. And I'm not sure exactly what that would look like. But hmm. uh, but the building that housed the presses were frequently nothing more than tents. Others were rickety wood frame structures, and they were frequently handicapped by the severe cold weather when the, uh, the ink would freeze and made it difficult to set the type. Some places burned down multiple times. Can you imagine being a typesetter when it's 30 below outside and you're trying to move those little tiny uh, oh, letters into the, into the set? But papers were a variety of sizes depending on what type of press they had and what paper was available. Some were as small as 5 by 7 a 5 by 7 newspaper. Larger ones were as big as 24 by 36. Wow. And most papers were initially just four pages. And for the most part, they were solid type with no headlines. Ads did not go over one column. There were very few illustrations except in the biggest newspapers. So I have no a, picture. I have a question. Okay. Does it say in there how many letters it took to put on a newspaper? In right. other words, the letter A, right. how many 
thousands of A's did you have to have? And I, I'm I'm thinking just like today, uh, you had to have a lot more of the vowels, yeah, and a few less of the X's and the Y's, you know, the consonants. So uh, they had to have thousands of these of these letters to wow. do a newspaper. So there weren't always enough men to produce the newspaper. Many of the th- them were out in the gold fields. Some used their family members, including the women, to stick the type when there was a later labor shortage. About 7% of all uh, employees were women. A Bellingham Bay Mail newspaper was housed in the old courthouse, so they used prisoners from the jail to print the paper. That might not have been a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> might have written in there, help me escape. You know. Send key to. Yes. Soldiers actually ran the, ran the press for some papers. Uh, a typical weekly paper needed three full-time staff, and many did not have any formal training. So it was kind of a learn-on-you-go thing. Oh, my. But there was a lot learned on the job. Some, some young men worked under an apprenticeship that could last several years. Wages for printers were double to five times what they could make back east. And they, a lot of times they worked nine to ten hours a day. Uh, they really relied greatly on the mails from the, uh, for the news. They subscribed to eastern newspapers to get stories. So they were just recopying stories from back east. And they reprinted in their own papers. Readers were initially more interested in hearing what was going on back home anyway, back east. In 1860, of course, the Pony Express speeded up some of the news that was uh, very expensive. It was expensive, you know. And then the Transcontinental Telegraph came online in 1861. And, of course, that made communication even faster. Most major western cities hooked up to it in the 1860s, and more remote locations used express riders to get the news from the telegraph office and run it out to wherever they were. They must have had to use the KISS theory, keep it simple, stupid, right. uh, and not really elaborate on stories, right? I would think so. Uh, you know, they could, yeah, they just put in the bare essentials, I would think. But there were still problems obtaining an adequate supply of newsprint, and this is what you alluded to. Sometimes they were forced to print on cigar paper, tissue paper, or colored paper. Oh, my. They might also change the size of the paper or the frequency of publishing uh, to preserve whatever paper they had. The Civil War also disrupted supplies. Some bigger papers started up their own pulp mills first with rags, then with wood chips. They actually used uh, cloth in some cases. Hmm. So what did they print? Some uh, printed speeches, sermons, poetry, uh, and some of them charged for those to be put in, believing the material had a broad interest. They printed news of special interest to a town like Butte, Montana. They printed mining news from other mining towns. Uh, they reported murders, war news, uh, some made-up stories, most notoriously the Territorial Enterprise of Virginia City, Nevada. Uh, kind of, They kind of made-up stories. Mark Twain, I don't know if you remember this, but he wrote stories with clues embedded to prove their falseness. Really? Yet most readers did not pick up on them. So he wrote things that weren't true, uh-huh. but he put hints in there. So well, people, some things never change. <laughs> I guess. Some publishers like to take pot shots at each other, uh, which was very entertaining for the readers. Many printed the local controversies. Some started specifically uh, to promote a business like real estate or the railroad. Wow. There were also several foreign language papers. Now, this is something I'd never thought of. There was at least 20 in German, 
13 in French. There were also papers to serve the Chinese, Spanish, Italian, Danish, and Swedish. How would you like to have been the typesetter for that? Yeah, yeah. but uh, a lot of them did not have Sunday editions. One owner of the San Francisco Chronicle was killed because of his paper's crusade, uh, crusade to expose corruption in the city, but the death did not stop the paper's goals. Uh, and when telephone communication uh, came into being, of course, that sped up the delivery of the news. i got to hurry. I know. The Deseret News was probably the first uh, in, in 1878. Um, anyway, uh, it was a good enterprise. It was good profit for really not a lot of investments. A lot of them failed. Um, if a, if they were in a mining town and the miners went belly up, of course the newspaper did too. Yeah. So absolutely interesting. I'm still stuck on being the typesetter. Holy uh, cow! What yeah. a job! Yeah. Thanks to State Farm for supporting this show and helping our listeners protect their businesses and lives. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today.